Sports FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to a conversation with Chris Ann Hall. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. You know, in this time when we have so much concern about the Constitution and its state of things in the United States, and as well, we have a lot of movements towards state nationalism and a lot of other things, I've decided to go right to the source. And the source is one of the most preeminent names and knowledge person people in the nation on the Constitution, and that's Chris Ann Hall. Chris Ann Hall is somebody I have followed since 2014 or 2015. She is brilliant on the Constitution. She has an amazing training session, too, which we're going to talk about a little bit, which is called Liberty Liberty Society or LibertyFirstSociety.com with a complete training system to train sheriffs and to train people on the true meaning and knowledge of how to use the Constitution. She is literally one of the most brilliant minds on the Constitution we currently have. And so tonight, as a great honor, we have her as a guest to talk about the Constitution and many things. So before we begin, in this time, we also know that we are dealing with a corrupt and tyrannical government. It has nothing in mind other than itself, and it hates you and I. And it's going to do everything it can to try to force us farther and farther away from constitutionality. And part of that is to leverage us to such a degree that financially they break us. And that's where we have to take steps to protect and steward everything that we have worked hard to gain. That's why we have Birch Gold. Patriots, you know the state of the world, so let's cut to the chase. Buy gold. And when you do, get a free safe to store it in. That's right, I'm not kidding. On qualifying purchases from Birch Gold Group, now through March 31st, they'll ship a free safe directly to your door. Just text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898 to get your free info kit on gold and to claim eligibility for your free safe. Here's the deal. The Fed keeps raising rates because it's the only tool they have to keep inflation under control. And it's not working. You can't spend your way out of inflation. You've seen the impact on the stock market. You've seen the impact on your savings. Hedge inflation by owning gold. Whether physical gold or silver in your safe or through an IRA in precious metals, where you can hold real gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied customers. Text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898 for your free info kit on gold and to claim eligibility for your free home safe by March 31st on qualifying purchases. Again, text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. This is one decision you will not regret. Do it today. So text BARDS to 989898 and you definitely won't be disappointed. One of the big things that we are currently facing, obviously, is a government that has run way outside the Constitution. It is, by definition, a despotic organization. It is tyranny in its true form. And it's using every agency it has in its power to try to continue to leverage its power and keep us submissive to its own way. What we've lacked and what we have lacked for years is a well founded public in the knowledge of how the Constitution works and really what powers we the people have. And in so doing, they've been able to walk around us, walk over us, maneuver around us, and not be accountable to the people. The reaction, unfortunately, is that there's moves now to try to step away from the Constitution to try to reclaim different avenues, what we consider back to the Constitution, when we ourselves aren't even employing the Constitution to the full power of what it is. Chris Ann Hall is one of the huge advocates 
large voices on the power of the Constitution and using it as it is. She doesn't run away from it. She uses it and employs it. And that's something we can learn from. Now, before we get going here, in our seven pillars of county by county, number seven is, or number six is informed action. And in that category, everyone should be putting libertyfirstsociety.com, libertyfirstsociety.com. It is one of the most thorough constitutional education platforms you'll ever find. And it teaches you all the basis of constitutionality, what the Constitution can do for us, and how we can employ that Constitution in particular at a local level and a county level. One of the one of the great things about Chris Ann is that she is a believer in local county action and spends a great deal of time educating police officers, in particular the constitutional sheriff. So without further ado, well, actually a little bit of ado, because one of the things we also have to keep aware of as we go through is preserving our Second Amendment rights, and that means keeping your skills up in a crazy time. That's why we have, you know it, iTarget Pro. If there was ever a story that best encapsulated how bad crime has become, it's the one about Starbucks providing baristas with active shooter training because our cities aren't safe anymore. And while the Supreme Court has made it easier for you to conceal carry for protection, it's your responsibility to be properly trained. That's why I endorse iTarget Pro. This system allows you to dry fire practice with your actual firearm anytime in the safety and privacy of your own home. No more inconvenient trips to the range and you will save a ton on practice ammo. Just download iTarget's proprietary app, load the laser bullet into your firearm and start your training experience. Improve muscle memory, reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger control, and much more. iTarget Pro comes in all the major calibers, including .223, so you can stay sharp with almost any firearm. Save 10% plus free shipping with the offer code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, when you go to iTargetPro.com right now. This is the smartest investment in your ability to safely and effectively handle your firearm. Plus, it will pay for itself in one day. That's the letter I, targetpro.com, itargetpro.com. Offer code is BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. This is something you want to have. Oh, yeah. Awesome piece of kit to have for the family and in your living room. Plus, you can do all sorts of crazy things with cool targets with those lasers, like, you know, maybe put up a Biden head or something, which would be justifiable. All right, patriots, let me introduce to you one of the most brilliant minds in the Constitution we currently have in this day, a true patriot, Chris Ann Hall. Well, patriots, I'm extremely honored today to have an ex- a very special guest and somebody who I have literally followed for about seven years, and that's Chris Ann Hall. She is probably one of the preeminent people in our nation for constitutional understanding and restoring our nation back to a constitutional republic. She is unbelievably well-educated. She has a degree in biochemistry plus her JD, and she's a, she was a Russian linguist in the military. So it's a great honor to bring her on. Chris Ann, how are you today? I am fabulous, and thank you. And it's, it's a pleasure to meet everybody. I'm, I'm very excited to be here. Thank you. Can you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Well, I mean, you you, you sort of gave them the 50-cent version. <laughs> but, um, you know, I um, after going to law school, or while I was going to law school, I knew there was only one thing I wanted to do, and that was to to be a prosecutor. We lived in a small town, and I really wanted to be part of something that would have an impact on people's lives. And so all through law school, I knew exactly what I was going to do uh, because I lived in a small rural community. I actually got to experience certain benefits of that, being one of which that I was able to um, operate as a certified intern before any of my classmates were. It gave me the opportunity to um, to have 10 jury trials under my belt before I even graduated from law school. And for anybody who's in law or in the practice of law, I mean, that's a pretty big deal because only 3% of the lawyers in America will ever even have one jury trial. So I was able to have 10 before I ever went to even, um, you know, before I even uh, had my license to practice law. So that was a pretty big deal for me. And 
it's the only job I wanted to do. Uh, I took a sabbatical for a couple of years when my son was born. And I worked from home uh, as a First Amendment attorney, advising churches and advising people on, on First Amendment issues. And um, I went back to, after that sabbatical, I went back to the state attorney's office. At that time, there'd been a, a, a change in, in command uh, in the state of Florida. The, the state attorney is an elected official, and the guy who was my boss previously retired, and we had a new uh, state attorney uh, who was actually who, who knew me. He was a coworker of mine and hired me back without question. But you know, the Lord has a way of doing some very strange things, or things that feel very strange at the time. In the midst of all of this, I had uh, read a couple books and really fell in love with the people who founded America. You know, and I mean that from a very heartfelt, honest perspective. And I started reading and learning about that history and learning about these people. And I started to grow kind of angry, sort of like a, a righteous indignation at the fact that what I was learning from the people who actually wrote and ratified the Constitution was not anything near what I was taught in law school about it, about the Constitution. So it really sort of struck with me, the inner rebel on the inside. And I started learning more and more. And then the um, community that I was living in started asking me to come and teach them about First Amendment issues. I went to the grade schools and taught on the First Amendment. I went to the school board meetings and taught them how to hold prayer before the meetings and not have the ACLU and the uh, freedom from religion people breathing down their necks. And, you know, I mean, we did a lot of work locally and I realized there was a need for people to understand this. So I began teaching. And this was in 2009 and 2010. I started teaching local groups. There were civics groups that were meeting. This was like the birthing time of the tea parties. And I started teaching. I started teaching about the unconstitutionality of the Affordable Care Act. And I was doing this as a, uh, you know, while I was a prosecutor, but I was doing it on my own time. So I would take vacation days or I would do it on weekends. And I got a very strange email from my boss one day who had somebody told him what I was doing and he didn't approve of it. And I didn't think I needed his approval. You know, I'm doing this all on my own time. It would be like, like running Sunday school, right? I don't have to have approval from my boss to teach Sunday school. And not only that, as a prosecutor in the state of Florida, I took an oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States, right? So how does it make any sense that my boss would have a problem with me teaching the Constitution? But he did. It wasn't so much that I was teaching it. What he complained about was how I was teaching it and who I was teaching it to. So he told me in this email that I had to cease and desist associating myself with any group he didn't approve of and that I had to stop teaching that the Constitution demanded limited government because that was an ethical violation for me because I worked for government. And so it really put me in a in a position because my husband and I had just planted a church and he was preaching full time and my job was the only income. And my boss said that I had to stop doing what I know I had a right to do. So we prayed about it. And I told my boss, you didn't give me these rights and I'm not trading them for your paycheck. And this was 2010 now. And um, he told me that I had to quit my job. And I told him, I'm not quitting. You're going to have to fire me. And so he did. And so we went from having a comfortable income in a small town to zero overnight because we knew what we had to do to stand up for the rights that God had given us. And in 2010, that's what really launched us out formally. Um, and I've been doing that ever since. 
for seven years before the lockdowns, I averaged 260 meetings in 22 states every year for seven years straight. Um, and we always operated really from a point of, of ministry perspective. So we didn't, we did everything at our own cost. Since then, you know, all those meetings, uh, we have an online Constitution American History Government Training Program called LibertyForSociety.com. And we have uh, written, produced, and published two documentaries um, at our website, NoncompliantMovie.com. And we've seen, it, it's amazing, we've seen lives change. We've seen, we've te- seen entire towns changed. Um, by the teachings that they've received. And we feel so blessed to be a part of that blessing. That's really walking the talk. That's amazing. So you are absolutely probably one of the only attorneys that has taken that much stand on the defense of the Constitution and be willing to sacrifice so much. I would assume with that, that doesn't put you in the circle of friendly nature with the bar. Yeah, um, I'm I'm a bit of an endangered species, although I do work with attorneys uh, all the time that are like-minded. I can say that that none of I, I, what I don't think there's a single person uh, who has traveled and taught as much as uh, that as we have um, in you know I mean 260 meetings in 22 states every year for seven years. We literally vacationed at home. You know, we spent four days a month in my in our own bed. <laughs> but we did so because, you know, the Lord really called us into this path and gave us a passion for it, and we understood the importance for it, and we did it as a family. You know, so the the I guess the real the real story here is how the Lord gave us this direction, and then we've we've been provided for, you know, no, not by having a paycheck, but by just being, being faithful in what we've been called to do. And we have expanded what we do. We have uh, reached more people. We've made documentaries. I mean, seriously, 13 years ago, if you had told me that, that I would be a consultant, a regular consultant on court TV, and that, that I would be um, a news analyst on Victory TV and that I would be writing seven books and producing two documentaries. I was like, you're nuts. You're not some kind of crack because it was not something that I had in plans for myself. So it's just, you know, it's a, it's a very exciting thing. We live in a very, very exciting time. And I think the best part is that, that I get to be a part of giving people hope and direction because that's what America is missing today is, is really direction. Our education system has completely and deliberately denied us uh, very important information about who we are and how government is supposed to work and the power of the people to make change. And so that's what I'm, you know, I've really, really been excited about being a part of your website, libertyfirstsociety.com, it, it is a complete educational portal, right, I'm on all of this? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We have dozens of classes on, uh, the US, on the U.S. Constitution, on state constitutions, on American history, uh, civics, politics. We even have a couple Bible classes that, that my husband and I have just been inspired to put on there. Uh, we have uh, students that range from six years old to law school uh, groups on law school campuses because the law school students are becoming aware of the fact that law schools don't teach the Constitution anymore. They teach um, actually the opposite of the Constitution. They teach that judges and lawyers know more about the Constitution than the men who wrote it, which ends up revising what the actual constitution means. So we, um, we had the pleasure of reaching many people. I've taught to legislators of 11 states in session. 
I have a continuing education course that you can actually view at libertyforsociety.com. It's a three-hour continuing education course that I teach to sheriffs, deputies, and peace officers across the country. And I've been blessed to be able to teach uh, sheriffs and deputies that represent all 50 states. And I am, um, uh, uh, that's probably, and that's what our second documentary is about. Uh, the Noncompliance to the Sheriff is all about the, uh, what a bad sheriff looks like, what a good sheriff looks like, and what the real duty of the sheriff is to the American, to the American people. I'm huge on sheriff's authority, and what you don't know is one of the big pushes I make on this channel, and we all work on constantly, is county-by-county county action. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the most important thing, really. I have a book. Uh, well, I have the documentary documentaries, and the two documentaries um, are all about the getting control of your state and local governments as the most important political world you can actually work in. It's really the most powerful wor political world you can work in. It's where the people really have all their, their power and their real ability to make changes at state and local level. So the first documentary that you can watch at no cost, actually, uh, on noncompliantmovie.com is the first documentary that teaches the separation of power between the state and the federal government and how the state is actually the superior authority to the federal government in spite of what we've been taught. And then I go into all of that. And just like at libertyforsociety.com, the, 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 the books that I've written, the documentaries, they're all based on original source texts. Uh, I don't rely on Supreme Court opinions because they're not all, they're most of the time wrong when it comes to the Constitution. I don't rely on professors' textbooks or think tank explanations. So what we do, and that's what makes us unique. I mean, that's really what makes us unique in all of what we do, is that we guarantee you that everything that we teach you will be based on original source material only. That's powerful. Let's talk a little bit about the sheriffs, because this is a big issue. It's one of our most powerful, as you well know, it's one of our, it's, it takes us back to the Magna Carta. It's our true law enforcement of the land. It's the only, it's the true elected law enforcement of the land. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about some of the challenges we're facing, the misconceptions, and then what you're dealing with in trying to wake these sheriffs up. I think, and, and you cannot make a general statement today because so much da damage has been done to some of the states when it comes to regard to the sheriff. See, the interesting thing is everything that we're teaching you, everything that we're teaching you about state and local power, the importance of state and local, the importance of the sheriff, even though the American people have been denied this knowledge, okay? The enemies of American liberty, the enemies of the Constitution, are fully aware that what we're teaching you is, is the absolute truth, because they have been infiltrating the state and local governments for a very long time. And that's quite unfortunate, because in some places, we have some, a lot of work to do, like Delaware. Delaware, the state of Delaware, has actually removed the sheriff of their true constitutional sheriff position, and that's because the people were, were deceived. But in general, and at the beginning, okay, so before the deception came, before the people were deceived into making these changes, the office of the duty of the sheriff, and this is the way it is in the majority of the state, the office of the duty of the sheriff is that, this off, that the, the sheriff is a constitutional officer. He is not a hireling of the state. He is not a um, hireling of the county. He's not dependent upon any certain person for a paycheck. He is a constitutionally established representative, and that's very important, representative of the people. The people elect their sheriff the same as they do the mayor, the same as they do the governor. And the sheriff also, as other elected officials, takes an oath of office that says they do solemnly swear that they will support and defend the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of their state. And so in the election of the sheriff as a representative of the people, combined by the promise in the oath that the sheriff makes 
and the duties that the constitutions confer upon the sheriff establishes the duty of the sheriff to be a defender of the rights of the people and not a blind enforcer of the law. There is absolutely no authority of the sheriff to simply be a law enforcement officer. The sheriff is a defender first and an enforcer second. And that's what we cover in my book, Sovereign Duty, and that's what we cover in greater detail in the documentary, Noncompliant to About the Sheriff. And, you know, that's what I've been traveling around teaching the sheriff. The course that we have at libertyfirstsociety.com, which is the three-hour course that I teach, uh, was the inspiration for this movie because I saw, I mean, I, I actually was invited to teach at the Western Sheriff's Association meeting in Reno, Nevada. And I was blessed to teach the sheriffs and deputies uh, of 17 states. And it was amazing because it's a three-hour, it's a three-hour workshop, which has breaks in the middle. And I was teaching, and the sheriffs would not let me stop. They would not let me break. And he's like, they, they all, no, keep going, keep going, keep going. And so I taught for three hours without a break because they didn't want to stop learning. And before I walked off the, before I was able to walk off the stage. I had sheriffs and chiefs and deputies running up to me saying, we, I want you to know that while you were teaching us, I was on the phone changing policies right now. And it happened for two days, two days, sheriffs, deputies, their, their chiefs would come up to me and say, we've already changed policies based on what we learned from you. And that's what made me know we've got to get this out to the people because the sheriffs want to do what's right but we're not teaching it in the academies, and the people in the communities don't know it either. So they can't stand together for what's right. And that's the power of this documentary. We able to find an incident where a bad sheriff, a sheriff that arrested a pastor for closing down his church or for a, a sheriff that arrested a pastor for keeping his church open during the lockdowns and a sheriff who defended a church for staying open. And it's really, uh, oh my gosh, I couldn't even have tried to put this together the way it went together. But it's really amazing how these two stories working together really teach a very important lesson. They definitely do. We've been under real stress of all of this in the last three years as they've literally shredded the Constitution. And so much of that, in my opinion, has come from corporate concept of law versus the Constitution. This kind of takes us to this, and I, I'd just like to get your position on this, because there's a lot of discussion about the Act of 1871. Well, let me mention this first, before we get that far, because I don't want to, to leave away from what you just said, um, because there's a very important point that has to be make and made before we get, get away from that. And that point is actually made by Samuel Adams. You know, what we've seen happen over the last three years um, Samuel Adams said, no people will tamely surrender their liberties, nor be easily subdued when knowledge is diffused and virtue is preserved. He said, on the contrary, when the people become universally ignorant and debauched in their manners, they will sink underneath their own weight without the aid of foreign invaders. And so what we really, and this is, this is part of the solution, right? Part of the solution is understanding that this doesn't change until the people effectuate the change. This is not about electing the right person to office. This is not about, you know, finding a political messiah. This is not about pointing fingers at the right people. It's really about the American people reacquainting themselves with the proper education and knowledge about the proper role of government, you know, what kind of government do we have, how it's really supposed to work, the things that we've been denied in education since 1833, to be honest. That's a message that's carried here constantly, that there's no savior, it's us. And at the bottom line, it's our education, our knowledge, and understanding how the system does. I don't think I've come across anybody that has done the level of training format that you do 
And that's one of the things that's so encouraging, especially as if people, and I'm going to encourage everybody to go through your site, libertyfirstsociety.com, and just realize the catalog of information that is there to learn from. Thank you very much. It's it's tremendous. And this the sheriff training, and I'm looking at it right now, this three-part series is is amazing. And it's um, it's something that is so needed in our country. Yeah. And again, as we're we've watched happen over the last three years, the idea of being a law enforcement of rules rather than an enforcer of the constitution has been a real issue across all law enforcement. It is. It is. And it's, I actually taught at the academies um, here in Florida. So I know what we're teaching. I know what we're not teaching. And I've spoken to um, officers across the country I know what we're, we were teaching in Florida is very typical to what they teach everywhere. So I know what's being left out. And I know the importance of teaching these officers about their role as a defender of civil rights, not just simply an enforcer of the law. And it, would, it, it really is a civil service to teach this because... Most people don't realize that taxpayers pay out a billion dollars every year for unlawful civil rights violations. And I believe that there are evil people that are always going to do bad things. But in reality, we could avoid 90% of that if we just trained the officers on what civil rights are and their duty to defend them and not violate them. This is good. So let's take this in a little deeper and we'll, we'll end up back where I was going to be there in a minute ago. But I want to, this takes to the next step, which is there's a huge push right now for state nationals. It's massive. It's like 15 million people have picked up momentum. They're, they're trying to reclaim their individual rights. They're going back to Black Laws Dictionary. I and mean, I have all this here. What's your thoughts on this? Well, unfortunately, the state national movement is an unlawful exercise. Uh, it's, 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 legally invalid. It is unlawful. It will not do what people think it will do. First off, and I do immigration work too, so I know exactly what I'm talking about. I've actually specifically researched this. There are only four criteria of people that are able to apply for state national, and none of them are U.S. citizens within the United States. So if you don't fall into that, this is immigration law that we're talking about. This is what state national is. It's a a division of immigration law. It has to do with citizenship, revoking your citizenship, relinquishing your citizenship. And so that is not available to people legally in the United States. Uh, And even if you're outside the United States, it's only available to four classifications of people. If you do not fit into those four classifications of people, then you don't qualify to be a state national. And that's really the bottom line. If you are in the United States, you don't even have an avenue legally to declare a state national because to declare state national, you have to actually uh, present yourself in person to a consulate outside the United States. Uh, You cannot relinquish your citizenship Uh, legally in the United States by simply sending an affidavit to the Secretary of State. They have no way to receive that. They have no legal review process for that. It will either be uh, simply ignored, it will be discarded, and it will, and either way, will have no legal effect at all. So any action that somebody would take in furtherance of that uh, would simply lack legal standing. So if you, you do that and you think you've relinquished your citizenship and then you try not to pay your taxes or you do something that is not you know, required of a citizen, then you're actually violating the law because technically you are still a citizen. And the, the thing that seems very strange to me is the idea that, that is being promoted, that if you relinquish your citizenship, you are somehow now out hide the purview of the law. Well, that doesn't even make any legal sense at all, because if I, as a U.S. citizen, traveled to Germany, I'm obviously not a German citizen. 
I couldn't do something contrary to German law and say, hey, I'm a U.S. citizen, so I'm not subject to your law. So even if you're not a citizen, you're still subject to the law of the country in which you are uh, ambulating through. And so the the problem with this state national movement is, is that it's just simply not accurate. It's not even a process that is available to people in the United States. And I have personally seen people go to jail. As a matter of fact, I know a man who went to jail and died there. Uh, his name is Terry Trussell, and he happens here in Florida. And so people need to be very, very aware that this state national movement is not a pathway to individual uh, independence and a pathway to become a non-citizen. That's good. A lot of this takes us back to the Act of 1871, which is, I've looked at this a lot. I, it's difficult to see source documents mm-hmm. that of the actual what they say is the original Constitution versus the the change in Constitution. We also get into a lot of mm-hmm. the discussion about the way things are written legally, which gets us into Black Laws Dictionary, the Maritime Law, Law of the Land. What are your thoughts here? Because this is another big discussion about Act of eighteen seventy one is when we pivoted from a republic to a corporate entity, and we did not. We did not pivot from a constitutional republic to a corporation. That uh, it would have been an illegal act, and according to Article 6, Clause 2 of the Constitution, would be immediately null and void. So what we have to really understand is there's a principle of, of um, choking on the camel while staring at the mat. And the idea that we, and part of this, I think, is the result of the fact that we don't teach the Constitution properly, but also we teach things about the Constitution. Uh, and I'm saying not we, but I mean government education programs and that sort of thing, teach things about the Constitution with the purpose of confusing people. They teach the Constitution in a way with a purpose to be confusing, with a purpose of being complicated, and the purpose is to discourage people from actually knowing what the Constitution says and how it's supposed to work. And so that's part of what we uh, do in our mission is to actually show people that you don't have to be complicated. You don't have to be a scholar of decades. You don't have to be a law professor. You don't have to be a think tank, a politician, or a judge to understand the Constitution. The Constitution was written in very simple form so that the average person walking the streets in 1779 could pick it up, read it, know how their government was supposed to work, but even more importantly, what are the limits, the checks and balances, and the power of the people to control their own government? As a sort of little side note, it's the whole beauty of what our founders gave us. They, escaped, they declared independence from Great Britain, but one of the great gifts that they gave us was not simply independence from Great Britain, but independence from kings. And so we don't have to pick up arms and we don't have to have the king's discretion or the king's courts advise us on what the decrees mean. They gave us a constitutional republic, which put everything in writing. And then they went the extra step that to give us an advantage that they didn't have in English law. They gave us written documentation contemporaneous to the drafting, to the ratification of the Constitution on what they meant about everything that they meant. And so in reality, and I've been doing this 13 years, so I've had I've had people come and challenge me. I've had Supreme State Supreme Court justices challenge me. I've had uh, um, law professors challenge me and politicians challenge me. And I can tell you without question, every time I have been challenged about what does this mean in the Constitution, how is it applied in the Constitution, every single time I have been asked that question, I have been able to point to the answer to that question, not from an interpretation, not from, you know, like digging through the black law, but actually an answer to that question from the people who actually wrote the document because they asked the same questions. And so that's where we first need to go. 
It's only when we cannot find the answer in their instruction. They are the original source. Hermeneutics is a document, uh, application, document, interpretation um, process. Applying hermeneutics says the first place you go is to the people who wrote the document, the people who ratified the document. And as a matter of fact, James Madison pointed to that when he was standing before the House of Representatives in 1792. He said, I've always believed. He said, but it's more important and more material to know that those who ratified the Constitution believed this as well. And then he went on to a discussion of the limited nature of the federal government, limited and defined nature of the federal government. So in that explanation, we really have to get in and understand the Constitution before we try to, you know, really make it more complicated. And the real simple answer to this is this. Article 6, Clause 2. Article 6, Clause 2 of the Constitution declares that no act by the federal government is valid unless it's made pursuant to the Constitution. If it is made in, if it is made outside the Constitution or contrary to the Constitution, Article Six, Clause Two declares that it is not binding on the state, and then subsequently not binding on the people. Article Five of the Constitution dictates how the Constitution is amendment amended, and it's a very specific and arduous task. So any alteration of the Constitution that is contrary to Article 5, by Article 6, Clause 2, does not carry a force of law. It's completely null and void. It's like a request without authority. So if this act of 1871 created by the federal government obviously does not comply with Article 5, obviously does not comply with Article 6, Clause 2, makes that act null and void. So we don't have to overturn acts like that. We don't have to repeal acts like that. What we are supposed to do, as designed by the people who wrote the Constitution and ratified the Constitution, how they instructed us to act, Alexander Hamilton, even the biggest government guy said that this act would be invalid, null and void, without authority. James Wilson, same thing, and even the anti-federalist ones we're actually remarking on how the Constitution made these things null and void. So the response to this is to operate the Constitution properly instead of allowing those to operate the Constitution improperly. Where you get back to what Samuel Adams said is that this is the people. It's what Hamilton said in Federalist 33. It is the people's duty to enforce their constitution. And I hear people say all the time, oh, the constitution has failed. No, it didn't. It's impossible for the constitution to fail. The constitution is an inanimate object. The constitution is pen and ink. The constitution is not what protects our lives, our, our rights. It's the people enforcing the constitution that protects our rights. And that's why the multi-layers of checks and balances come into play that all are really on contingent upon the people knowing how their constitution is supposed to be applied. What I'm hearing from you is significant in this time is that a, com a combination of horrible education, yes, a, an acceptance of the people to accept that horrible education and continue on their lives, yes, and has allowed them to just run roughshod over this and create essentially an exterior government that isn't even rooted in the Constitution, yet make people believe that that's it. That's it. <laughs> like, obey us or you yes. shall go to jail versus, versus listen to the Constitution and we shall enforce, right? Yes, and the solution then is not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. The solution is very plain, very, very simple. Now, I'm not saying it was an easy solution, okay? It's a solution that involves personal responsibility, personal accountability, and personal investment, right? So it's not easy, but it is very simple. And it's just simply this. We have to use the checks and balances to enforce the Constitution to its limited and defined nature. 
or enforce the Constitution to force the government into its limited and defined nature. That is why controlling state and local is so important. Because we just be totally honest and straight up with each other right here. You have no control over the federal government. I have no control over the federal government. We were never, the federal government, let's be very clear. The federal government was never designed to be controlled by the individual. The federal government was designed to be controlled internally by the representatives of the people in the house, by the representatives of the people in the state, and then externally by the state and local governments. And so the the most powerful check and balance on an overreaching federal government has always been by design the state and local government where you have control. You have control over your county. Well, let me put it this way. You have the ability to control your county commissioner, your your mayor. You have the ability to control your uh, sheriff and your state legislators and your attorney general and your and your and your governor. You have the ability to control them. Whether you do or not is a result of our actions and our education. But we have more we have more ability to control our sheriff than the U.S. Attorney General. We have more ability to control our county commissioner than our U.S. House Rep, and we have more ability to control our state legislators than the U.S. congressman and definitely more ability to control our governor than we do the president of the United States. And that's the beauty of the Constitutional Republic design. And I'm teaching people, and we have an activation boot, an activist boot camp that teaches how to actually em- employ all the solutions that we give you uh, at libertyfirstsociety.com. And that the important thing is this. If you have a constitutionally minded sheriff, you don't care what's happening anywhere else because a constitutionally minded sheriff will protect you not only from citizen criminals, but from all overreaching government, whether it comes from your county, your city, your governor, or the White House. Once you have a constitutional sheriff, then you're at greater liberty to work on your your city council and your county commission, you can secure the constitutional nature of your county. And then your county is secure from unlawful acts of your governor and unlawful acts of the president of the United States. Then you move out further. You teach other counties how to duplicate the the constitutional county. And you win back county by, you win back your state county by county or parish by parish, depending on what state you went in, and then you get a constitutional state. Once you have a constitutional state, then you have real, real far-reaching liberty and control. I mean, I think if you just look at the state of Florida, you can say people have their disagreements with Governor uh, DeSantis. They have their reasons. They disagree with him. Sometimes they use those reasons to dislike him or to discredit him. But you cannot You cannot dismiss the fact that Governor DeSantis has taken a stand on certain things and those things that are reflected on limited government and the liberty of the people has had a huge impact on the rest of the country. Well, he's very impactive, no doubt about it. When we're looking at this model, and I, I run into it all the time, there is a sense of disempowerment from people, especially when we start talking about the issues of elections. Mm-hmm. And we've seen how rigged these systems are. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of good grassroots efforts to try to educate people. Yours, Dr. Frank, is doing an amazing job as well of trying to do grounds canvassing to get people aware of how they can build the case for these sort of legal actions for the sheriff. But again, what do you say to that when you hear people say, well, uh, I we have a, we're, like, we're in Oregon. We have a motor voter mm-hmm. rule here. We, people, there's no ballot voting. Everything's mm-hmm. digital, mail-in. It's, it's ridiculous. So when you have that level of disempowerment, what are you saying to people in their place to begin and how to start taking back territory? Well, remember, what did Samuel Adams say? The key to, to successful defense of your liberty is knowledge. It is knowledge and courage, okay? Knowledge and virtue. What I say to people is that you feel you feel disempowered because you have been taught a a disinformation. You see, 
American people are raised in the government schools to believe that voting is how they control government. That is not the design for controlling government. Voting was never supposed to be the way you control government. Voting is how you elect people to represent you in government. What you do every other day of every other year is how you control government. And I, and I teach them. I said, it, it is really, if you, if you understand that your participation in government is essential to the control of government. You're not a spectator of government. You're not a consumer of government. You are a participant in government. And when you understand that your participation in government every other day of every other year is how you control government, then you understand, as flippant as this may sound, and I don't want it to sound that way, but it is how it's going to come out, who actually is elected in the office becomes irrelevant. Because here's the thing, we've all experienced this. Oh, I'm behind this guy, 120%. This woman is going to do the right thing. She says the right things. She believes the right things. I believe she believes the right things. I've gone to church with her. He's my dentist, you know? And you work hard to put these people into office. And then all of a sudden, they get into office. And then they start doing things. Because they don't know any better because they've been deceived by the lure of compromise, or maybe they're just not the person you thought they were. And they start doing things that are contrary to the Constitution, contrary to your rights. Well, guess what? Just because someone you supported won the election does not give you the permission to be a spectator or just a consumer. You have to work hard to make sure that that person you put into office stays true to your rights to the Constitution and to the limits of their duty. Which means if the person you supported didn't win, the job is exactly the same. You have to make sure that that person stays within the limits of the Constitution, within the limits of their job, and does what they're supposed to do to defend your rights. And if they don't, whether it be that person that you like or that person you don't like, we have a duty as a participant in government to make those people miserable every day they go to work violating your rights. I mean, seriously, we should be in our office. We should be teaching. We we should be instructing them. We should be uh, criticizing them. We should be Uh, directing them, we should be chastising them, doing everything that we can within our power to make them make those corrections. And that's, that's why I say it's so important to be a, a participant in government and not just simply a spectator or a consumer of government. And so we have a really important job that we have to do, and we have a lot of work to do. And unfortunately, we've made it hard for ourselves by neglecting that work for so very, very long. But when you see, and we've seen it, right? We've seen the results of people actually becoming part of their jobs. There's a national group called Moms for Liberty that actually took over hundreds of school boards by becoming involved. We have people doing this at the level of electing a new sheriff and, and, you know, making their governor miserable every day. I mean, the governor of New Mexico, um, you know, before she left, hated her job every day. They, the sheriffs made her miserable every day. So these are the kind of things that, that we have the power to do. And when you understand that your power is not relegated to a single day once every four years, that that is a lie to keep you powerless. And you understand the power that you have every single day, that is very empowering. Those are great words. You have 34 courses 
on your catalog in Liberty First. And growing. <laughs> I hope. That's awesome. But how long does it take somebody to go through the full course and where can they expect to arrive after they go through all these courses as far as knowledge? It really is a learn at your own pace. And as I tell students while I'm teaching the courses, you get from them what you put into them. So if you just run the, you know, the audio version and you listen to it while you're you know, folding laundry or um, you know, cooking food or something, you'll, you will learn from it. But you will not get from it everything that you can get from it. Uh, we, I encourage people to read the material that goes along with it. The Federalists, the Anti-Federalist Papers, we, we assign them. We have PDFs that go with many of them. I encourage people to go through the PDFs. Some of them, we even have quizzes that go to, to go through. And, and we have workbooks and stuff like that that are all available. And so what you put into this education is what you get out of it. And then that will also dictate how long it takes you to go through it. Um, we have students, like I said, that from um, middle school up, and they actually use it like curriculum. So it can take as long as you want it to take, and you can get what you want. I'll tell you myself, um, I teach these classes all the time all over the country, and I'm always learning new things because I'm always studying, and I'm always trying to learn more. So it can be a study of, of empowerment, it can be a study of joy, or it can be something that you endure and you push through. So it, it really depends on what you want to get out of it. So we have a seven pillar platform or program we talk about constantly. It's county by county, which is home churches, mm -hmm. homeschooling, Patriot Gardens, which is a revival of Victory Gardens, right work, which is to use your gifts and talents to separate from the corporate yoke health and wellness, to take responsibility for your health and break away from the corporate medical tyranny, informed action, and conservation and stewardship. This fits in so beautifully into informed action, and we're going to really push this hard. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get a commitment from you now because I'm, your schedule is probably massive, but... <laughs> well, and, and to be honest, if you're asking me about a scheduling thing, I don't even handle my own schedule. So. That's good, <laughs> but I want to put it in your ear while we have it here. So... Um, yeah. In June, and it looks like, again, another big one in um, pot uh, potentially September and probably a couple others, we're doing what are called Bards Fest. We did one in 2021, four days straight in St. Louis over there, um, and um, it was about 2,000 people showed up. And so I'm going to, I'll talk to you after, I'll talk to whoever you need me to talk to, but I would love to get you to come and talk. Uh, yeah, I can get it, my assistant to, to sit down and discuss it with you. That'd be great because I really like to. You, you have such a message, Thank you. and it's. I know you taught you. You already do lots of these, but there's so many people that still don't know about your program and what they what this offers. Um, and I just think it's so critical because of what you've laid out here today, which I think is so impressive and so important, is people are racing away from the moment thinking the Constitution is broken, and they've never taken time to understand what the Constitution is and what their rights are. Right, exactly. And that's, that's a pretty sad moment when we're, that's a successful PSYOP right there, is what yeah, that is. absolutely, and it's, it was, and it is begun and perpetrated with the American education system. Thank you so much for having me on the show. This has been a pleasure. It has. We always close with a prayer. If it's okay, we'll do a prayer. Yes, Absolutely. Father God, we just want to thank you today for this very blessed meeting and just somebody who you've inspired, who has been led, who has listened and has continued to just pursue that path you've put before her and her family has done the same. Just ask for their continued blessings and the awakening of the many hearts across this nation that are so in need of this deep knowledge, a knowledge of understanding truly what rights you gave to us in this nation per the Declaration of Independence, that these rights came from you, no one else and to encourage people, to inspire people in their hearts to reach and dig deeper, to work harder, to educate themselves more, to gain the knowledge necessary, to truly stand up and fight this evil with the mightiness of the sword of the Spirit. We thank you in Christ's name. We say these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, and God bless. It's been a pleasure to meet everybody. Uh, thank you, Chris Ann. Have a blessed day. Thank you very much. You too.
Thank you. Patriots, that was Chris Ann Hall, who, as I said at the beginning, I consider to be one of the preeminent experts in the Constitution because she is truly a person by and for the people. Her coursework over at Liberty First Society is above board. I mean, it's just, it's just top shelf all the way through. So check it out, Liberty Society, libertyfirstsociety.com. It's an education program that every single American should be going through. If you're a homeschooler, this is built-in material right here for any age. It's incredible. I have signed up. In fact, when we did this interview, which was last week or maybe a little bit just before I went to Yuba, I was, she was talking. I was over on the site signing up like, man, I've got to have this. So I've been passing it around. It's something you can introduce to your sheriff. It's something you can introduce to your county commissioners. This is a way for people to become constitutionally grounded and encourage them. If you want to make an effect, you can even subscribe for them and say, look, I'll pay for the service. Take the course. We need you to be constitutionally sharp. And as people start to learn their rights and understand, as she says, the Constitution is not to be thrown out. The Constitution is just being ignored. And when we start using our power as the people at a county level to retake the power based on the Constitution and reset our counties, which you've heard me say many, many times, reset our counties to constitutional counties, that ripple effect changes the nation. There's a little over 3,300 counties in the United States. If you take half of those that can get back to a constitutional framework, truly operating in the constitutional form that our founding fathers intended or taking our country back in a massive way. So I'm, I'm really encouraging people to sign up for this course and get educated. Follow Chris Ann Hall. She's amazing. I have, like I said, I followed her for years and she is one of the great voices and I will have conversations with her and to see if we can get her out to at least one of the Bards Fest, which would be fantastic. Well, Patriots, thank you this evening. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time. God bless, and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made. Therefore, they can be solved by man. And man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable. And we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space.
We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples. It has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. Push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. 